Oh, we give glory to God. Thank you so much. Now we get to the sermon. Uh, the sermon on modesty, as we saw earlier. And I would say this is not an easy uh, uh, topic to handle, especially in our generation. I know you agree with me. <laughs> it's not very easy. Uh, I was just telling the first service, it's a kind of someone when you are told you're speaking about it, your mind quickly goes to your wardrobe and you're wondering, what am I going to wear? <laughs> because we are talking about modesty. Praise the Lord. Yeah, and that's what we are looking at today, and I pray that what I share would be a blessing to you, and like Peter loves to, would say, uh, and stimulate you to hold some thinking, because I believe as I share, you're also being a good Berean, you will go to search the scriptures as well. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so we will start by asking what indeed is modesty and interesting this was part of the question I was requested to answer in today's topic and we will begin by looking at what is modesty and I think it's good to look at it first of all from what the world says about modesty uh, because we live in this world now and so I am looking at a normal English dictionary of course, beginning with the Google Dictionary. Uh, and I'm hoping, like I was saying the, the previous service, that I hope you didn't get rid of your dictionary <laughs> uh, or gave it to the person next in line at home because you need it as a good student of the Bible. If you're doing best P, I'm sure you're told a, a dictionary is necessary. Cindy Anyway, so let's begin with Google Dictionary. You will find this definition, like it's the third definition, because it's the one that is relevant to what we are talking about today. And Google says, behavior, that's modesty, behavior, manner, or appearance intended to avoid impropriety or indecency. I hope you can mark that. Behavior manner or appearance intended to avoid impropriety or indecency. And then I also went to my old Oxford Advanced Learners Dictionary and this is what it says. The action of behaving or dressing so that you do not show your body or attract sexual attention. I hope we are getting that one. So you are dressing so that you do not show your body or attract sexual attention. I hope that one is critical because we will get back there as we continue. Then I thought even a Christian dictionary is good to look at that. This is the complete Christian dictionary. This is what it says. Defined modest. Uh, so that now modesty defined as the state of or fact of being modest. So modest according to the complete Christian dictionary, especially of a woman or her clothes, not indecent, not showing anything that is improper. So if it says especially of, I know it's not cutting out the men, eh? 
So the men took up a mojas, Indio. It only said, especially of women. So I trust that we are together. Uh, so, and of course, modesty, like I have said, the state of fact of being modest. So I want you to keep in mind those um, uh, definitions as we go along because we want to make a few deductions out of those um, definitions. Exactly what are you hearing? And as I wrote down, as I looked at those definitions and wrote down, these are the three deductions that I made. That number one, from those definitions, the modesty here is focusing on the outward. Look at, for example, the one I said, especially of a woman's, woman or her clothes. Look at the one that is talking of the action of behaving or dressing. So the focus is on the outward. So meaning even the world, when it thinks about modesty, it is thinking about the outward. The other deduction we can make from here is that it has to do with my behavior. So not just clothing, but my behavior, manner, and appearance. And of course now that means even my clothing or apparel is captured here. So my behavior or my mannerisms also has something to do with modesty. So just keep that in mind as we go along. And then the third deduction we can make from this is it has a sexual connotation to it in terms of the final outcome in considering whether I am modest or not. You can imagine even from the world's perspective, talking about modesty, but if you look at the one, one of them, dressing in such a way that I am not attracting sexual attention. That's a normal dictionary saying that. So has sexual connotation to it, and I want you to keep that in mind because it will still come back as we talk about modesty. Praise the Lord. So those are just some of the things we can say as we look at modesty from just the normal viewpoint of the same. But what do the scriptures say about modesty? Now I want us to look at these three scriptures. We will look at 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 10. Of course, because of time, we may not look at the context. We will look at 1 Peter 3, 3 to 4. And then we are looking at Proverbs 31, 22 and 30. And I'll go ahead and read them. So I hope you can listen carefully. This is what the scriptures say. 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 10. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. I think you had those words in one of the definitions, eh? Not even the Christian one, interestingly. I want them to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. That's, I believe, according to NIV. But I found NLT also interesting, the New Living Translation. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing 
and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim, claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. That's First Timothy. Now let's come to First Peter 3. It says, your beauty. And this is one of my favorite verses. I think I prayed back to God almost on a daily basis as I trust the Lord to align my beauty to what his word says. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So that's First Peter 3 to, 3 to 4. And I'm hoping you're able to see not, no, not just outward, but as well as that inner unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And then we will look at, we look at Proverbs 31, a passage that I love, love, love by the masses of God because God has used this passage to transform me, to transform many women that we have worked with in the uh, womanhood journey. Some of us are going through that uh, over every weekend, I think every Saturday, uh, as we go through and explore the Proverbs 31 passage. And I'm grateful I had opportunity to recite it in KU yesterday. We were doing some ministry. So it's a passage that is very close to my heart. 22 of that chapter says, she makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. And then Proverbs 31.30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Uh, again, focus on the inward because the outward is fading away. Now, having looked at the scriptures, we want to make a few observations from that scripture, those scriptures, uh, and what we could learn as the Lord ministers to us through his word. And the reason why I am taking the scriptures seriously is because only the word of God can transform your life. If I will say everything else but leave you with a word, then I have done my work because the scriptures are alive, active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, especially as we talk about modesty. So may the Lord use his word to transform us. And the first observation I make from this is God is pointing to the state of the heart more than to the outward appearance. Just look at that scripture like the one I've told you I, I recite, I pray it back to God a lot. Your beauty, that inner and fading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So now just how I braid my hair or wear jewelry or, you know, my clothing, that inner and fading beauty, that's the beauty that God is pointing at 
that I need to be careful about and build. The second observation we can make is my outward appearance reveals the state of my heart more than anything I will ever say or do. And I hope you can get that one so seriously. The, my outward appearance will reveal what is on the inside. So I can talk, I can tell people about Jesus, but the outward will speak volumes about what is on the inside. Praise the Lord. And that's why modesty as a topic is so serious. So serious. And we will see why as we continue. Because I may talk about being modest and say many things as we hear many people say, ah, God is concerned about the heart, da, 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 and he is, like we have said. But how I look on the outside will reveal the state of my heart. Praise the Lord. The next one, obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ will be key in helping me determine how I look on the outside. And as we were sharing with the leaders, one of the truths that was coming out is salvation is key. If I am talking about modesty, because having said yes to the lordship of Jesus, I cannot say in the same breath, no. If Jesus is Lord, I can't say no, Lord. <laughs> you hear that? I can only say yes, Lord, or else he is not Lord. Because if Lord is what it means, then I can only say yes. To his word, yes. To his voice as he speaks through the word, yes. Yes, Lord. So as I talk about decency, as I talk about modesty, as I talk about my outward appearance, obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ will be key. Praise the Lord. And I know we can find that, I believe it's John 14, 15, where Jesus says, if you obey me, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's interesting. Uh, I don't know why I've just remembered this. Of a girl that we were journeying with, she was slightly younger than me. I was in a Christian organization for internship after I cleared my campus. Uh, for ministry and one of the girls uh, I was we were working with with another girl we were in the same program used to just wear just I don't know weirdly then we decided we, we started journeying with her through discipleship I remember the Lord just using that aspect of obedience to transform her on the outside you know, so much that it was amazing to many of us, including her own sisters, who would tell her, Ay, nawe, nawe sana. but she's obeying who? The Lord. I hope to moja. <laughs> the next observation is, my appearance is perhaps the handle God might use to help make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Imagine that. And these are not my words. I got them from Titus 2.10. Um, 
that particular phrase of just making the teaching about God attractive. My appearance might just be what God will use because God is not limited. He will use anything and everything because I belong to him. And I remember as a first year with my friends in campus KU, we, there was a, a, our secretary at the time uh, and she was she got married later to one of the focus staff of those days. Perhaps you may, f he, I know he's been invited in Ezra's and commissions a few uh, years back. I'm not sure if he's still invited, but I remember the wife now to Kitanguvi. She was our secretary in the Christian Union. And we, the form first years, we admired that lady, admired her. We used to wonder, does she work? How come she's so modest and so smart, almost Monday to Friday, you know. And I always remember during their elders dance, how all of us first years just wanted to take a photo with her. I still have that photo. Because of how we admired her, a woman of God, a modest woman. That's what I'm saying. Now can you imagine in salvation, somebody admiring you to an extent that they are like, hey, I want to Maybe if Christianity is like that, I want to be like brother so-and-so. You get. Uh, and I know that um, some believers, non-believers somewhere are admiring some of us. And yet others are being pushed away from some of us because they are saying, if that is how the people in the Christian union dress, I do not want to be part of that Christian union. Can you imagine? I don't want to be part of Christ because of how those guys dress. Are we together? So this might be the only handle God may use to reach somebody with the gospel. That is uh, the outsiders, those are who are outside the faith. And then if Jesus is indeed Lord of all, and I think I have explained this, he is Lord even over our outward appearance. Remember, he is concerned about the inward, the way Samuel told, uh, uh, God told Samuel, God does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he is interested in the heart, and he's also interested in the outward because he is Lord. And we will see that as we continue. So having explored what uh, the dictionary says, having explored what the Bible says, we now want to ask, what is the reality on the ground? Because we live in this world that we are living in today. We are talking about decency, but what is the situation on the ground? And I want to say, that we live in a visual world, especially right now in our generation. And I can tell you, because what we see, there's a lot being bombarded at us from the world around us, a visual world. And I can tell you that this means that the scriptures are being fought on every side. Some of the scriptures that I've mentioned are being fought because of the kind of a world that you and I are living in. And I'll give you a few examples. Because if modesty is about not attracting 
sexual attention, <laughs> like we saw in a normal dictionary, then there's a lot leading us in that direction with the situation on the ground. Just look at some examples. Media platforms are having highly sexualized content as we speak. Just get onto Facebook for the first time, and I don't know whether the algorithms know these are men, these are women. We, my husband and I, have been for many years as analog as analog can be. We were not digital at all. I mean, even sending an email would be an issue for us a few years ago. <laughs> we were that analog. And I remember when the Lord led us to minister on the online space. And my husband got into Facebook. Oh, my goodness. He wondered, where am I? See, kwambia algorithm, eh? I think they can tell these are men. The things that were coming on his feed, and you know, because he's accountable to me by the grace of God, he would keep telling, now look at, look at this. Look. And we kept deleting until finally, thank God. I don't see those things anymore. Praise the Lord. Can you see how highly sexualized our society is? You will even find, you will tap at good things, but somehow, like a weird one just appears, and you're thinking, Ay, now where has this one come from? Highly sexualized content. Praise the Lord. Hey, Am I communicating? Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure the men here can understand because some ladies sometimes we just pass and my husband keeps telling me, you're a woman. So you are a woman, so I know the men are understanding me. Sindio, I, I hope. Anyway, number two, advertising that will grab attention because it has sexual innuendos. You know, so you wonder, what does a phone have to do with a sexually dress, you know, exposing her body. So you know those uh, adverts, eh? Or a car. A nice car, but a lady? A copale, And you know how she's dressed, right? I mean, adverts. So that now, for us who have children, you almost have to... <laughs> I know my daughter keeps... Um, now that she's uh, oh, uh, 14, now we allowed her the use of a phone... And I keep, and some of the hours, especially weekends, we may allow them to watch something, Hapanapale. And as, as they were growing up, of course, we would uh, be very keen to check exactly what they are watching. And now, as I pass by, I'm like, what are you watching? And I mom, 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 just no, mom, <laughs> you know, mom. Because of my concern about the highly sexualized media, isn't it? And adverts, because now they are watching, for example, uh, Superbook, for example, but the advert that will come, you're like, I, even this one, you, you understand? Eh? So imagine simple adverts and yet having a lot of sexual innuendos. I mean, anyway, again, our clothing 
that is just, look at our clothing as ladies. I don't know if you've noticed this. I was saying this on an online class we had recently. Uh, <laughs> our clothing that is just a little too low, and a little too high. <laughs> and I was telling some ladies, I don't know what is happening these days. Even those who do, that's why sometimes when you preach such sermons, you're not sure what you're saying and the implications. But let me just say, look at some of the designs of our clothes as ladies. So wide on this side, eh? and they are here. Cindio, they are here. You're getting me. So if I bend, I can't bend like this. I have to bend like I hope you're getting my point. So that clothing, you think this is safe, but you realize again it is not too safe. Clothing. Now for the men. Hey. <laughs> there are some trousers my husband wears from our generation. Now when you look at him next to a young man, oh my goodness, the difference. I mean, young men, your trousers are being made tighter and tighter. Now, it's not just the ladies, imagine. Tight. See, notice our clothing as we talk about decency. The dress code in many workplaces seems to adhere also to this point. I know there are places where you have to wear here for the ladies. You know that, eh? And it's a normal company. Company too. Like in Unava Ampaka? Hapa. Sindio? Ama wanajaribu. Uspeleke chini sana. Yani, yani, you know the one on the fence. Now that is where we are getting. In this highly sexualized world where we are talking about it's becoming more and more visual. Then our tongues are becoming quite loose in the use of words that insinuate sexual intention. And like I told you, we are now on the online space, and some of us have probably watched some of my recipes on recipes and hospitality with Clara on YouTube. And so that means I may listen once in a while to someone who is helping on content, and you hear somebody saying, this is very sexy content. And I'm thinking, eh, content. Yani, yakunisa idea to kujua what to do on YouTube. It is also sexual. To an extent, the other day, my daughter was asking me, my younger, um, our younger daughter, because she's hard, Mom, what is sex? You know, something like that. Because it's so highly sexualized that you have to explain some of these terms to children. Because they were never said like that in the open. You're getting me? Again, words, words that are just being thrown out there. You know, I used to be a fan of comedy before I got born again. <laughs> Our comedy is old style, Kabisa. And uh, one time, a few years after salvation, I listened to a comedy. I couldn't continue with that comedy beyond five minutes, I think. Because of the words. You know the kind you're listening and you're like, <gasps> Ama, ouch. 
and especially if you're listening with brethren, you're like, so inability u uzime uachane nayo. That's the kind of a world we are living in. I don't know for those who watch comedy, I don't know how you're able to stand it. It's like the more vulgar and sexual the word is, the more they want to use it and make the comedy exciting so that we can laugh about such things. I don't know where we are headed, but we know it's the state of the world and we are told it's not going to get any better. Now, what are the implications of this? Uh, this kind of a world that we live in. And again, I'll just give us three implications of a highly visual world with the kind of content that our eyes are consuming, sometimes even without our knowing it. The first implication is the gift of sex is being paraded all over the place rather than being kept within the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. And I know some of us are asking, now you're digressing. Are you still talking about modesty? Yes, I'm still talking about modesty. It's been paraded. You can imagine hearing right from 10, like our 10-year-old before she was 10. If she just saw TV, she would hear the word. Then you keep hearing it in primary. You keep hearing it in high school. You keep hearing it now that you're on campus. What happens? leads us to the second point. We are being pressured to believe that we cannot do without sex. Can you imagine? So, Nikama, if you don't practice this, you are abnormal or there's a problem with you. You're getting me. You're getting me. So, it's no longer about the boundaries set by God. And remember, God sets boundaries for our good. And in the sessions that we teach, especially when we talk about foundations, I love to talk about um, boundaries because I normally say, for example, when Rivayala, I believe it's Rivayala, there's a river that passes through a road we cross when we are visiting our home in Western and our people. And um, this river is good as long as it's within its boundary. And it breaks its banks and goes out of its ordained boundary. Do you know what happens? Trouble, isn't it? Loss of property, loss of lives, because that river has broken its banks. It's gone outside of its God-ordained boundary. And that is what is happening with the gift. It's a gift, the gift of sex. As long as it's within its God-ordained boundary, it is well. Take it outside. Now you have all sorts of trouble. He was ministering to a girl somewhere recently, my husband. And, you know, as people get born again, you have to listen to all sorts of things. And you hear this girl who has aborted twice. And you hear the pain as much as everyone is telling them, it's okay. And even the media is making it look so attractive. Yet the implications of that action have indelible marks that only the Lord, Jesus, 
can heal, restore. Forgive, heal, restore. I hope you can see the seriousness of what I'm talking about as we talk about modesty. The other implication is we are being pressured to believe that we have to fight our way to get a marriage partner. We have to fight, and we will see what I mean in a short while, so that waiting on God for the right marriage partner is, be, is being thrown out of the window. So if it takes me dressing in a certain way, it is okay. I want that marriage partner. Are we together? And let me say this. As we talk about now, we've looked at the implications of the kind of world we live in, but what are the implications of this on our being decent? You know, the things I've talked about, uh, and I've said we are being pressured to believe that we have to fight our way to get what we want. Number one, the implications of this is we will dress to be seen, because now we are talking about modesty. We will dress to be seen and to be found out. Men, ladies, see we dress like that, eh? To be found out. Because if I dress in a certain way, I, who will even notice me? Cindy, we will dress, albeit our not knowing it, for the right partner to locate us. See, tunasemanga, you will be located. So we dress, without, sometimes without necessarily our being aware of it, so that we can be located. Then, we will dress, because our dressing is no longer about the Lord, but about us. So that if I tell you about your dressing, you're like, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord doesn't look at I can do what I want. And then we join the world in saying, my dress, my, maybe finish for me, my dress, my, you can imagine. The women out there, my dress, my choice. And yet we know when you are a child of God, it is no longer my dress, my choice. Maybe it is my dress, the Lord's choice. Imagine. So we are the ones in control not the Lord. So we will dress to get what we want, not what the Lord wants. But let me tell you the will of God in this matter concerning these implications. For the child of God, imagine, the will of God is for you and I to remain in the place of obscurity. Obscurity is where I am not necessarily seen I may not even be heard a lot. I am hidden, as it were. That's where the, word, the Lord wants you and I to be. So that at just the right time, he will let you and I be found out. And this is one of the topics we handle in the Proverbs 31 sessions. Just look at this verse in Proverbs 31.10. A wife of noble character. Who can... Find. Who can find? Meaning she is rare. You won't just find her here <laughs> all over the place. You have to ask the Lord for her, for him to show you. So it has nothing to do with how I dress so that I'm noticed. 
it has nothing to do with what I do so that I'm like that preacher who has how many followers. It is the Lord who will let me be found out at just the right time. So that what we are saying, I should never use my dressing in order to be found out. And therefore, my dressing has to be about God and his glory. And I can tell you this, the enemy, do not let him lie to you that if you dress in a certain way, you will miss what God intended for you. You cannot miss it. I'm not saying we all wear maxis. I hope you're getting me. That is not what I'm saying. Actually, let me say the next point. Trust God to grant you creativity to dress modestly and decently. God will never run out of ideas, believe me, to help you dress right for his glory in your context. So I'm not telling you to wear long skirts, eh? or you know the way you know how it happens sometimes. I'm telling you to trust the Lord that, and I'll give you guiding principles as we finish, that the Lord will help you to dress in such a way that you will, he is the one who will be glorified. And I remember as a young girl after campus in a Christian ministry, not having a lot of money <laughs> because you have to raise support, you don't have a lot of supporters. And the Lord just leading as you pray, because I remember I would pray about my dressing. And God takes you to a place where you're looking for things for five bob. I don't know if these days they're still there. Maybe they're now ten bob with the economy. Unapata kitu, you're like, how did this one come here? The Lord must have hidden it for me. Five bob. <laughs> I remember dressing for an occasion one time during that ministry's an event that was so important. And people commenting, and I'm like, I wish you knew, I wish you knew how this whole outfit, <laughs> you know, the, the top, the inside, the skirt, how much have I totaled it? This one that looks like it is 5K. By the way, it looked very nice, I can tell you. <laughs> I wish I had a photo of that. But you just find the Lord gives you creativity with the little that you have to be decent. Praise the Lord. So I hope you're getting the point even as we continue towards finishing. So trust the Lord to show you. Trust the Lord to lead you so that your dressing will never be used to help you get what you want rather than what the Lord wants. And this finally takes us to a few guiding principles that I wrote, I like I told you, we minister also on the online space, so I blog about some of these topics. And when I received that uh, invitation to speak about modesty, I had written a blog a few months ago on decency, which is modesty. And I shared in that blog post on our Formations of a Noble Woman website five points about modesty, guiding principles that will help you to be modest. And the first guiding principle as you think about being modest is dress in such a way that you will glorify God. So as you come out of your room, ask yourself, is the Lord being glorified 
with how I look. So remember, it has nothing to do with this is the fashion, this is what is trending, this is what women who are trending look like. What does Jesus say about this? My daughter is doing a book on literature in his steps. What would Jesus do? So what does God say as I come out of my room? Is he glorified? Because remember, my dressing will speak volumes like we said earlier. Before I say a word, someone will have made a decision in their minds whether to believe what I'm saying or not, sometimes with just how I look. Praise the Lord. Guiding principle number two, dress in such a way that your words will match up with your dressing. Your words will match up. You can dress in a certain way and you go witnessing. And somebody is just looking at you thinking, eh, and a witness to Yesu. And they are looking at you and wondering, eh, even if you're witnessing, I am not sure I'm going to take that message. So you, they have shut down and you, you're still witnessing. You're getting me. Dress in such a way that what you say will match up with what? You, uh, what you uh, dress in such a way that what you say will, dress, will match up with what you have dressed in. Because like I said earlier in the scripture that uh, you want to trust the Lord that the way I, I dress will be attractive to those who are outside of the faith. And I love this scripture. Like, you know, I serve among young women. I mean, women. So a lot of women's scriptures are some of those I have memorized. In Titus 2, 3 to 5, where the older women are being told to train the younger women. They are told to train them to love their husbands, to love their children, to be subject to their husbands, to be busy at home, to be sober, to be pure, to be good, to be discreet. Then he finishes with these words. So that the word of God will not be maligned. Imagine how seriously the apostles were taking the word of God. That is, the word of God will not be blasphemed. So that don't let people say, if you guys dress like that, we don't take you serious as a CEU. You want to trust the Lord that you will not be the one who will cause the word of God to be maligned. Praise the Lord. Guiding principle number three, dress in such a way that your home will be reflective of your dressing. Proverbs 31, the one I quoted, it says, she makes coverings for her bed. That must be 22. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Mentioned in the same verse. Her home as well as her dressing. You know, and this one, but as a student, as a student, there are times you would go for Bible study in a brother's room, 
we persevere through the Bible study. Nasili one whole hour. We persevere through because this is a brother who is having a suit. Okay, by the way, our days, our days, Kwanza the leaders, they used to wear suits. Watch a nimko casual. As in the CU, if you see the chairman even in class, <laughs> no pressure, guys. It's not about our outward. It's decency, but that was our time. We, I mean, chairmen, the men of God, used to wear suits. So you can imagine this guy with a suit, and then you're going to their room. You're even wondering where to sit. You're wondering, eh, the environment, what is happening? What has not been cleaned here? Other ladies, Sindio. So that what we are saying is our decency is not just about my appearance in class. It's also where am I coming from as a child of God? You're getting me? So that inside out, my environment is bringing glory to God. This is not scripture because it's been said a lot, but you hear this <laughs> principle. Uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. So it's not scripture, but it's a principle, I believe, that is based on scripture, where we are to glorify God, even with where we are coming from. And for the ladies, just look at the Proverbs 31 woman, clothed with, in fine linen and purple, and the scriptures also tell us she is clothed with, with strength and dignity. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So, taking care of her home, men taking care of our hostels and ladies, so that what, how we dress, if I'm so smart, let me be smart also where I'm coming from. Of course, kuna wakati unaeza chikwa like me sometimes, umesikia wageni wanakuja, you're thinking, what? So you get to work. But atutaki evo, we want to trust the Lord that what we, how we dress will match up with uh, our environment. Number four, beyond our dressing, you and I want to keep ourselves physically clean. Again, you can see it coming out in the scripture as you read. Because we want to glorify God with the outward as well as the inward so that I'm not just dressing on the outward and yet on the inside. Ata kuoga. Minaletea shida brethren. Sindio? Praise the Lord. So we want to trust the Lord that our decency inside out, including the outward, is glorifying God. And finally, we want to dress with the realization that decency begins from the heart. Decency begins from the heart. I could preach here, preach, 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 but I know what the Lord is doing inside is what will bring transformation on the outside, like this friend of mine that we were working with that I talked about. So that as we talk about decency, a lot of what I'm saying will make sense because I'm also working with God in his word, working with God in prayer, fasting, 
you know, some of the disciplines of the faith. I am growing in my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is what will bring transformation on the outside, inside out, as I journey with the Lord. And we can see uh, from what I shared earlier that a lot of the scriptures that talk about the outward also point to the inside. Charm is deceptive, Proverbs 31, and beauty is fleeting the outside. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The inside, is the Lord also working on the inside so that on the outside he will be glorified? And that's why as my husband comes to pray for us, the question is, is my inside sorted? First of all, in salvation. Is there somebody here who needs their inside sorted so that you can begin to work on that? 